Welcome to another episode of the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur with your host, Sharon Wilson, founder and chief inspiration officer of Coaching from Spirit Institute and master spiritual business mentor. The intention of this show is to provide transformational tips, tools, strategies, and resources that support and empower you to soar and shine in your business now. Enjoy. Well, welcome everyone. I'm so excited you're listening in and I'm so excited for our guest today. In our talk today, he's going to be sharing more about freedom and wealth, their responsibilities and how to fulfill them. And I'm just just really, really excited to have him share his unique perspective. And it's really something that we really need to be uh, talking about now more than ever. So let me introduce you to our amazing guest today. He's retired from practicing law. He's an author, musician, environmental and social activist, and a philanthropist. And he came to public attention when he landed the big one on the dot-com wheel of fortune with NetTeller, an online money transfer platform for the internet gambling industry, which did an IPO in 2003 and achieved a market cap of $2 billion. So he became extremely wealthy. And in 2007, they were arrested in America for that business. Now, while that does make a really fascinating story, and we're not really going to spend the most amount of time on that, but what we're going to talk more about what he's doing now. And he's interested in our future, and his focus is the responsibilities of freedom, including the responsibilities of wealth and the principles that we might adopt to fulfill our promise as a thoughtful species. And I'm so excited to have with us John Lefebvre. John, great to have you. Sharon, wow, that makes me sound like a very interesting fellow. I'm, oh, you are. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to living up to that. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, oh, who is that person? <laughs> so, um, John, uh, you know, I always ask all of my guests, um, since my podcast is called The Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur, and, you know, I've heard from people saying, why do you ask us that same question? So I'm going to just clear that up for people that when I was given the guidance, really from inner guidance to start my podcast, it was in 2019, it was just at the end of 2019, and I got this download, this divine download, this this real prompting, this nudging, Uh this is the time to start your podcast. Call it the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur. You'll find out later why. And of course, I argued with that. What? That's a long name. What does that even mean? Yep. Ask every one of your guests what is a spiritually persistent entrepreneur premier me to them. What's one challenge? I literally was given that directive to do that and that there would be energy imbued in those answers that would activate people at different levels. And so, you know, I, I, I almost didn't do it, you know, cause I was fighting with the idea of, I don't want to do a pie cast. I don't want to do that. You know, just being really resistant to it. All the reasons why my ego came up, all, all the reasons why I didn't want to do it and you know, all of that, but I did. And then lo and behold, 2020 happened. <laughs> Right. Just just a few months into 2020, I really got why uh, being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur, really a spiritually persistent person, you know, how how we really would play that out and are playing it out. So so just clearing that up for folks. I don't think I've ever shared that story. I do share it with all of the people that are my guests, but uh, that's the first time I think I've really shared that. So for anybody saying, why does she ask those same questions every time? That's why. So, John, what does being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur mean to you? 
<laughs> I'm going to say right off the top that um, I, I'm incidentally an entrepreneur. Uh, it, <laughs> it came to me um, in, you know, kind of incidentally to my law practice. I met a, a fellow in my practice, Steve Lawrence, who, uh, who thought it would be a good business model to bring a little professionalism and reliability and responsibility to the online money transfer side of the online gaming industry. And it turned out to be a very good business model indeed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, the we you know the year the year I was arrested in two thousand and seven, Sharon, we were um, uh, we were halfway through the fiscal year when uh, the uh, marshals showed up at my door on Malibu Beach, mm. and um, they uh, uh, we were we were at that at that time uh, we were halfway through the fiscal year and we were tracking uh, to transfer fourteen billion dollars, mostly between American gamblers and offshore gaming sites, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, that was a, an astonishing, an astonishing revenue stream. More, more than you know, certainly more than I can comprehend. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. I don't know about the rest of your listeners, but it was real <laughs> in my head. Absolutely. Um, I had a spiritual download myself when I was seventeen, and I'm 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 going to be seventy this year. But you're supposed to say, "Oh, John, you look much younger than that." You do, absolutely. <laughs> See, and this is audio, so we can say that. <laughs> that was in 1969, which some of your listeners will remember was a year that um, people were experimenting with um, strange little candies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there might have been some of those involved in my experience, but basically, what I don't talk about this much because you can't prove it and you can't like mm-hmm. so you can't really justify it or anything else. But it was an event that was um, purely about conscience, conscious, the conscious, mm-hmm. you know, consciousness, and um, these magical things appeared, occurred, uh, but. A voice, and this sounds—I know this sounds really weird—and I don't admit this in much, in much company. But a voice actually came to me, and it said, "You've got it. What are you going to do with it?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was—that was. You were seventeen, and yeah. you're saying, "Well, what do I have, and what's that mean?" Well, I knew what it meant. Ah, I knew so what it meant. I could back then. I could feel it and see it and touch it and smell mm. it, and it was like it completely. It was. It suffuses us. Consciousness is everything that we have. Mm-hmm. And, and um, Sharon, to me, uh, I'm going to really get right down and get into it here. Um, of all of the things that fell into my lap, it, the most important thing that fell into my lap fell into mine no more than it has into everybody's. Mm-hmm. And that has some very, very powerful and fascinating implications. And that thing is this, you know, being an awake being in the universe. You know, we are the vessels of universal consciousness. We are the vessels in which consciousness exists in the universe. Absolutely. And you have it and I have it and we take it for granted in the most atrocious way. (laughs) Right. We disregard it so often when we're, you know, bored or frustrated standing in line at the, at the grocery store. Those moments are miraculous, but that's not the point I want to make. The point I want to make is that that miraculousness occurs exactly the same as it does in you and I in the 
starving, skinny woman on the de- on the dusty desert in Sudan, who's you know whose whose who's dusty breast heals nothing but whimpers from her dying, flea bitten child, mm-hmm. and she has the same hopes and dreams, but hers are dashed in a way that ours are not. She has the same ability to feel loss and deprivation that we do, but she experiences it in a way that we never will. Mm -hmm. I think that freedom almost equates directly with wealth and it's not a lot of wealth. You don't need a lot of wealth to be free. Mm-hmm. You need a lot of wealth to be super, super rich and, and selfish, wealthy, right? But you don't need that much wealth to be, we are astonishingly privileged in our society, almost mm-hmm. everybody in our society. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Um, and when I think about it, I have a really hard time all the things that we take for granted in our society, you know, it, you know, access to education, access to food, closing and shelter, access to, you know, health, water, clean water, a, a healthy Just, environment. You know, right. we all, you know, we all more like expect these things. Um, and what I tried to do is figure out what is it that distinguishes us from all those other people in the world? Why do we, you know, why do we get that and nobody else does? And I try as I might, I have not been able to come upon a distinction that stands up. There is no distinction that stands up. We are all the same in that sense of being, well, of who we are, the beings that we are, we are all the same. And if we deserve it, Sharon, everybody deserves it. We feel entitled to it. And, here, here's, here, you know, here's my basic point up to this stage. I can't help, but if I'm lucky, does not cut it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So when you get, when, when we, when this wealth, so freedom equates with wealth in, 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 in this way that um, I think that freedom comes at a cost we were told since we were children that freedom comes at a cost. We're told that it comes at the highest cost, the cost they meant giving our lives. I think it comes at a much higher cost than that. And I know that sounds a strange thing to say, but I'm going to carry on a little bit if you don't mind. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And say, um, freedom comes, I think, uh, if, if it only comes at the cost of giving our lives, here's the odd thing that comes of that. Only one in a million of us give our lives. And the, all the all the all the all the rest of us get it for free. Mm-hmm. Well, except the loved ones of the person who gave their life, right? Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't seem right to me that we should have all of this and not pay for it. So, mm-hmm. what's the true cost? I think every day that we enjoy freedom, we have an obligation to strive as hard as we can to ensure that everybody else has the same coming to them, if not today, soon. And we have to try as hard as we can. And if we do, then we have earned our freedom. If we do not, something else happens. And here's the way I like to say it. Those who are happy with the benefits of freedom, but disregard what others less fortunate must endure, have not earned their freedom, but have merely taken liberties. Mm, That's powerful. Well, tell me more about, so, you know, let's kind of go backwards a little bit. You know, you were incredibly, you know, you came into this fabulous wealth. I mean, you couldn't even spend it. 
really. I mean, as much as you were, uh, you know, access to. And then you had this, you know, experience where now, you know, you're looking at basing going to jail. And um, I think you you didn't end up serving much time, right? It was like a month or something. I think That's you said for, for, forty-five days. As forty-five in, days. Oh, as wow. they say, as they say in prison, I could do that standing on my head. <laughs> yeah, you know, which, which because of your considerable wealth is one reason why you know you were only only got forty-five days. I mean, let's let's be let's be honest. You know, we have a, we don't have a fair criminal justice system at all. Um, but. You know, what happened that, you know, you went from that to where you are now, and then we'll talk more about this idea that there really is plenty of resources on our planet to take care of every single person. I have goosebumps as I'm saying it, so I know this is really a soul, you know, a soul knowing that we have, we have, it's available and it's possible to take care of every single person that no one has to suffer in terms of, you know, the, the basics, right. Mm -hmm. Food, water, shelter, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so we're going to talk about that, but just take us back a little bit and just kind of what was the journey, what happened in your experience? So you've got this fabulous wealth. I mean, it's, you know, just beyond belief. And then you're faced with this, situation about, you know, what happened with the uh, marshals and all that. And then what happened in your journey that got you here? Um, I'm going to say that, um, you know, this, this, this had in 2007, I was around, I don't know, 52 or three or four or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I'd had quite a bit of experience that, you know, both, you know, on the professional side of life and also on another side of life. I always was a little bit uncomfortable being a lawyer and it didn't, you know, massage my soul, uh, the way, um, I, the way my soul knew it could be massaged. (laughs) Um, and not to say anything about the profession, lots of my friends have a wonderful career and, and really, really love their careers. And I don't dissuade anybody from heading that way, but for me, it was not, uh, um, really personally rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll say this, uh, an, a, a law education is a wonderful education in, in this one sense. The whole thing, I, you've probably heard this before, that um, a, a, a lawyer who stops when he gets the answer, when they get the answer that they're, uh, that suits them, uh, is, is a poor lawyer. And the reason they are is because, you know, there's a guy on the other side and he's searching very, they're searching very uh, um, vigorously for the answer that does mm-hmm. not suit you. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and so, and, and the long and the short of it is, Sharon, that that whole process, whatever else it does, it insists that we take a professional regard for looking at it from the other guy's point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. And that can be expanded to all humanity, <laughs> right? The human existence, you know, it's a very, very important thing to do. It's the fun. I think, you know, really it's the fundamental uh, basis of all spiritual uh, institutions anyways, you know, um, you know, to, you know, put yourself, put yourself in the other guy's shoes. So anyways, I went through that and I was pretty well prepared for it. When I got, when I got rich, I, I, I knew that that didn't make me special. 
So, um, you know, the, my, that my, my epiphany had come a long time before that. So I was pretty well prepared for the idea. And I knew this, that, uh, that wealth comes with tremendous responsibility uh, and that in our society, we were falling very, very short of it uh, in so many ways, um, you know, and not within our own society. Yes. And, and badly within our own societies, mm-hmm. but um also internationally, um, that you know, I've I've spoken to you about the woman in Sudan, and I hope uh, mm-hmm. I hope your listeners don't think that was too melodramatic, because but for me it's a very um, a real realization. Yes. Um, the and I you know so here I I I. I decided two things. First, when I got wealthy, one was that, you know, first of all, I I sort of felt like I had a responsibility to enjoy it to the hilt (laughs) because of all the others who wish that they could do that and never did. But, you know, you have to. So, so I did. And, and, you know, I spent tons of money. I bought a jet and we flew around and I had to, you know, I had to, um, I, I had to have two houses on Malibu beach because the first one I got was on wooden piles and they were getting to starting to rot. And sooner or later, I, I fell in love with this one down the beach that was on huge concrete piles. And I knew that it was going to last a lot longer. And then for a while I had two, I planned to get rid of one of the first one, but when I was arrested, I had two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I would, you know, fly, fly around. I, I, you get to a point where your closets are filled with clothes that, you know, still have price tags on them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a little bit like dope, you know, um, mm. that you, you, you know, uh, I, I read in a book <laughs> that, you know, people take, take drugs and then, you know, they have to take more and more because the, the high becomes, we become mm-hmm. habituated to it and, and mm-hmm. you, you need more and more. And, and money is a little bit that way. You know, at first you think, Holy cow, I've got a really nice Chevy here. And then you think, well, man, I'd really like one of those Cadillacs. And then you want a Porsche. And the next thing, you know, you want a Bentley and that mm-hmm. just goes on and on. And I, and I knew that where that road was going to take me. So I, I didn't go down it too. Uh, well, I went down it quite a ways, but I didn't, I wasn't owned by it. Right. Let me put right. it that way. I, I okay. knew, I, I knew where that was at, right. but, but at the same time, I also knew that I had a responsibility to demonstrate if I could, how I thought, um, what it meant to be good with money. All of my friends, all of my friends thought I was not good with money. <laughs> and that's why that's the other book I have. It's called good with money. And this, uh, the subtitle on it is uh, the rich guy's guide to gaining everything by losing it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, but I felt that it, I had a, I, even if I didn't know I had a responsibility, I did. I felt that what I wanted to do was demonstrate what I thought uh, uh, was a, a good way to be a wealthy person. And mm-hmm. so anyways, by the time I was arrested and we were um, speaking to sentence, that was about six years after in 2010, 2011 um, in New York City, my uh, my lawyers had been asked to make a calculation of how my, what my... Um, what my, uh, you know, charitable gifts had been to that stage. And um, I had never really gone through it, but they sort of forced me to. Uh, so forgive me for carrying this on, but it's not, it, it, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't know this. <laughs> right. But they calculated that um, I had given away by that time um, uh, north of $50 million. 
wow. uh, to, to different um, institutions. And but the largest part of that was just to individuals that I ran into. You know, recently we cleared out a, a garage full of files, and there was like boxes full of mortgages that went to, you know, I mean all kinds of people, but the, 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 the major category was single moms. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, there were, um, you know, people who couldn't qualify at the bank. Uh, I was perfectly happy to give them mortgages at below market rates because, you know, that was better than you get in a savings account anyway, and you still make a little bit of money. And then um, something wonderful happens, but I'll get back to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I, I just wanted to say that as we were going through those boxes, it was quite, I was, I, even I was quite astonished as I went through them, how many of those boxes had names of fi- names of mortgages on them. And after that, the word forgiven <laughs> oh, <laughs> was wow. written. So yeah. I, I, I plowed through a lot of cash that way. And, um, you know, my financial advisors accused me of hemorrhaging and all those sorts of things. But, you know, the beautiful things that happens is, you know, Sharon, I, I, you know, I ran into somebody, you know, actually it was on online on Facebook, you know, a few months ago. And she said to me, John, I don't know if you remember me, but it was exactly 10 years ago today that you saved my daughter's life. And I said, how the hell did I do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And she said, she had been stricken ill when she was in Ecuador and she had no way to get uh, back home to the hospital. And I guess I sprung for, you know, five or $8,000 or something like that to get her home. And I, you know, and I hadn't remembered that, but you know what, Sharon, when you get a call like that, that makes you feel wealthy in a way that mm-hmm. no, no amount of blowing money on Rodeo drive can make you yeah, feel. Right. And it's, and it, and, and the rush of that doesn't diminish. Mm-hmm. It increases every time it happens, you feel more, you feel more filled with joy. And um, so this, this is kind of, this is kind of the long way around, but what happened to me is I tried to, practice what I imagined was good policy for wealthy people. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be um, purely magic. And, you know, all of my friends watched my wealth dissipate, you know, please, you know, don't, don't, don't cry for me, Argentina. I live very, very nicely. You know, I'm, I'm down to my last couple of million, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) um, That's uh, and that, but you know, it's a, um, if I lost it all tomorrow, I don't think I'd have any problem getting free peanut butter sandwiches for the rest of my life. And, you know, do you know, do you know about this movie Nomad Land with Francis McDormand? About I want to who... watch that. I haven't, I, I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. You have to be on a certain, uh, is it Hulu? I think, or I don't know. You have to be on one of those ones that I'm not on yet, but. Oh, Netflix. I thought, but I, yeah, I wasn't sure which one, but yeah, whatever it is, I do have access to that streaming. If, but if I wind up in that situation, it's going to go pretty easy for me because I know I would just, you know, go to one or two of the three of the cities that I lived in for a while. And there'd be lots of people who, you know, feed feed me a tortilla. Right. (laughs) Comes back to you. So 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 I've been going on a little bit here. I'm going to let you back in. Well, no, it's fantastic. I believe it's all in divine timing and order, whatever we're talking about. But the, but you know, what's interesting to me is there's a lot of wealthy people that really don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's very calculated, you know, what their charitable uh, contributions are. And it's really from the intention of how do I pay less taxes or no taxes? Well, you know, Mm -hmm. we all know that wealthy people pay no taxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's 
that's the big surprise that that people just don't understand that uh, you and I were talking about is that, you know, the truly wealthy don't pay any taxes. Mm -hmm. So um, and I think that's a shock to people. They think, oh, they must be paying huge amounts of taxes. So uh, so why don't you say more about uh, one of the things, you know, that you came. So you were already kind of in this place that you really felt it was important to give back and you wanted to share wealth. Um, and so you were already in a, a, a you know, I, I would say a higher consciousness among you know, the extreme wealthy, uh, oftentimes, I'm not saying everybody does, you know, there's certainly people that are very, very philanthropic. Um, right. So I'm not, I'm not putting a blanket or anything over that. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, is that, um, you came to this understanding or this awareness that you really felt that, you know, we do have this responsibility as, as human beings to mm -hmm. take care of, of, each other, you know, to take care of each other and that people have the basic that everyone on this planet should have the basic um, basic rights and basic needs fulfilled. So tell me more about your thoughts about how that can happen. And why is there so much resistance and pushback? Um, you know, a lot of very, very wealthy people uh, um, will say, hey, I should be taxed a lot more, especially in the United States. We've had a lot of people say, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, 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 I should be paying a lot more taxes than I'm paying because I don't pay any. But I really should be, you know, I, I expect to be responsible. And especially in the pandemic, uh, there have been so many uh, billionaires that were, you know, created from the pandemic. You know, you look at some of the companies that really just flew off the charts. I mean, Amazon as one, you know, because of the fact that everyone was, you know, locked down and ordering everything on Amazon. So what are your thoughts? Share more with people about your thoughts about how can this happen that everyone really could be taking care of with the resources? What what would need to happen? And just if you can talk more about that, I think it's a really fascinating. It's a public responsibility, not an individual responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I think and it falls upon us all. One of the one of the points I make in my book uh, is that, uh, you know, of, of the two people I quote uh, the most, Adam Smith is the one mm. The, the fellow who came up with the idea of the invisible hand, which is in our generation been translated into the invisible hand of the free market. Um, but um, it, Adam Smith actually thought about, uh, you know, in, in the Wealth of Nations in 1776, he spoke about it in a market um, context. But in what he thought was his more important work, it was, it was called um, the theory of uh, uh, the theory of uh, human sentiment, I think. Uh, um he and that was you know 16 years earlier he talked about the invisible land what he thought was that um uh first of all he called them men quaintly he called us men but i think he meant people mm -hmm. <laughs> right. um we're actually good fundamentally good mm -hmm. and the best thing you could do with them is set them free and if you set them free good men good people would do the very very best that can be done for everybody concerned Right. Mm -hmm. And that was a super positive view of human nature. And that was the positive. That was the view of human nature upon which America was constructed. Mm. Right. A yes. very, very positive view of human nature. Where are we now? Now we're in a place where wealthy people say, well, if we give some guy four hundred dollars for covid, then we're going to turn him into a bum. Mm hmm. 
<laughs> and yep. that is not a positive view of human nature. No. That's a that's a view of human nature that's super negative. Like like you know we're all just lazy buggers that you know need 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 to be have the whip crack whip, whip cracked to make us work. And so um, that's that's one of the things. The other I want to I'm, I'm building up to something here. You got you got to trust me. I trust you. The, the other thing that's been degraded in our context is, you know, the whole idea of what conservatism is, um, you know, uh, David Brooks, you know, he is, he's a guy at the New York times and he gets on the PBS news hour every Friday and talks, he takes the conservative view and he's a very, very smart guy and he writes some beautiful stuff. Uh, but you know, even he just said, you know, that a few weeks ago, um, he said, well, you know, basic conservatives, we need some basic conservatives, you know, um, small government, lower taxes. And I'm going, David, that's not what conservatism is. That's what it's become, mm. right? Uh, s- small government, lower taxes. But Sharon, small government and lower taxes is exactly the same as no regulation and what's mine is mine, mm-hmm. right? And that's not what conservatism is. That's what it's become. Uh, no regulation. We don't need any more corporations that make money dumping mercury into the Love Canal. Mm-hmm. Right. When Charles Koch got brought up on the carpet for dumping mercury in, you know, four or five different places in America, 90 million pounds of mercury he dumped into our environment. When he got pulled on the carpet on the 90s, you know what he said? And I thought we lived in a free country. And he's and those guys, they so-called libertarians, these guys are like the champions of small government. What they mean is no regulation. Right. Do whatever yeah. I want to do. And I and I, I want to go on about that, but I'm going to keep going with my other idea here first. Yeah, sure. And 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 that is uh, you know, on on the, the taxes part, low taxes. Well, you know, low taxes means um not I'm going to say it's exactly the same as not paying my fair share. And, you know, um, what I, what I, you know, what I, what I mean by that is that, you know, I think that we do have a responsibility to look after, you know, we do have a responsibility to look after those who are less fortunate than us. And like I said before, um, you know, I can't help it if I'm lucky, it doesn't cut it. And, and so, what I think conservatism really is about when I think back and classically, I've studied it a little bit. I'm not, I'm no expert, but I've, I've read a couple of books and I think the fundamentals of conservatism are actually the conservation, preservation and full and increase of capital, mm-hmm. the conservation of capital. And I, I totally agree with that. If we're going to fix the planet, first of all, Sharon, like back to your question, just to show you that I'm still on track here, back to your question. If we're going to fix everybody, we're, one of the things we're going to need is a lot of money. So mm-hmm. we can't be choking off the, the, you know, the, the production of wealth. But there are other kinds of capital that are as and probably more important. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the most important elements of capital is property. You take your capital, you put it into property that um, every, different kinds of property that um, generate income. And that's what we do use our capital for. So property is a very key element of um, capital. What is our most precious piece of property? Well, it's our planet Earth. Mm, Yes. And conservatives will always say, you don't degrade capital to earn 
to earn operating money, you know, food, eating money, profit, right? You get, you know, you generate, you, you improve your capital, but you don't degrade capital to create profit. You, you develop capital to make profit. So we need, the, well, I think one of the fundamental points of proper conservatism is to preserve, conserve, develop and improve our planet. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that very well yet. But even that is maybe not the most important element of of property, the, the, the capital. I think possibly the most valuable capital that we have is our human resources. Yeah, human capital. If we develop our human capital and make everybody on this planet more productive, something really magical happens. They get more money and they can buy more runners better runners, better clothes, better books, better services, better education. Um, You know, they don't, you know, the people, you know, the people in, people in Sudan, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't need money to buy Fords and, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and Cadillacs. What they need money is to get a computer and a printer so that they can use technology to make, you know, Sudanese, comic books and then mm-hmm. take them and, and 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 sell them at market they need to you know to be able to provide you know provide services to their neighbors uh, to educate to teach to find medicine to find you know they need and so and when we do these things they the, the, the people actually share and take care of themselves mm-hmm. and when they start take care of themselves they become productive they, they become productive they make they are elements of productivity they increase the GDP and wealth really is actually, I think, infinite. So I think we improve the human capital, we conserve and improve the planet, and we build our cash capital and improve it and share it fairly. What's fairly? Well, what I'd like to say is that another way that we've been bamboozled by these selfish wealthy, not only with respect to the fundamentals of conservatism, and uh, uh, but it's taxation we've been told for the last 200 years by these guys you only tax income you don't tax wealth you only tax income because once you've got your income and you've paid taxes on it then if you tax the wealth then you're taxing it twice so everybody knows you don't tax wealth well i don't buy it if you only tax income you know what that does income is workers <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 taxes pay to support the institutions of our democratic or our democratic institutions. They pay, to, they pay to support our democratic institutions that provide us with our security, our systems, our education systems, our communication systems, our banking systems, you know, um, securities exchange, financial capital systems. We provide all of those systems, plus we provide all of the human resources to create all of that wealth. And we tax the workers, but we don't tax the wealth. So what happens is all of the workers are working and paying taxes so that the wealthy can hold their wealth for free. Mm-hmm. For, they get an astonishing service for no fee. Mm-hmm. And that can stop. 
And that can stop soon. I really, really like Elizabeth Warren's plan of, um, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if the numbers are exactly right, but her idea is that if you have an estate that's worth $50 million or more, uh, we'll ta- we're going to tax the money above $50 million. She says at a rate of 2%. I don't know. Maybe you started a little bit lower number and maybe you started a little bit lower percentage. But by the time you get up to, you know, 140 billion, I don't think 2% is going to, they, they won't even notice. They, they you know, they, they, on $140 billion, they, you know, they're, I'll bet they're making like 10%. So if they had to pay 2%, that they wouldn't even know. They wouldn't mm-hmm. even know. Mm-hmm. But that, that amount of money in America, particularly, is enough money to, to provide, um, you know, daycare, health care, uh, elder care, uh, Medicare, um, free education for all the way up through post-secondary for everybody, um, you know, basic finance, even if it's microfinance, basic access to justice. People don't talk about access to justice. You can't get justice from our courts unless you can afford $400 an hour. That's not right. right. You know, you can't, you, you can't defend uh, a marijuana charge if you're a black guy in South Bronx, unless you can afford $400 an hour for a lawyer, guess what happens? You go to jail, mm-hmm. right? right? So all of those, all of those things could be afforded with Elizabeth Warren's 2% and there would still be trillions of dollars left over. What do so, you say? What do you say to people though? And it's an old argument that, well, mm-hmm. you know, if you tax the wealthy, then that's going to cause, um, you know, everything to go up because they own the companies and they're not going to be able to pay their, I mean, that's just an old tired, you know, reason why we can't do that. Right. It's I mean, completely fallacious. If you have $140 <laughs> billion and you have to pay like one point or, you know, eight, eight, if you have $140 billion and you have to pay, you know, 6.4 billion this year, you you know you're, you're, if, right. if that's going to make you broke, I'm going to say cry me a river. <laughs> yeah. There's also this argument that if you do that, well, then everybody's just going to go to Europe. Well, you know what? I'll, I guarantee you one thing, Sharon. I'll guarantee you one thing: when we start to tax wealth in America, everybody else is going to do it too. There will mm-hmm. be nowhere to run. You might, mm-hmm. you know, you might go re- live in Russia if you want. You want to go live with, you know, Vladimir Putin, you know. Mm-hmm. You can go do that if you want, but I'm I'm here to tell you, they won't. Those guys will happily pay their $2 billion. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll happily pay their 2% to stay in America and enjoy the security that the working people are providing for them, the wealth that the working people are providing for them. And, you know, the astonishing lifestyle that the working people are providing for them and protecting for them in the the American nation, which is, you know, I'm going to say, very nearly the best country in the world. I happen to be in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a beautiful area you're in. (laughs) You you bet it is. That's absolutely gorgeous. So there you have it. That's, I know that's a really long way around, but. No, I I really, I love what you're saying. And I'd love to have you come back too, because we've really just kind of scratched the surface because, you know, what, what, what is really, it makes so much logical sense to me. It Mm -hmm. it, it really is so logical. It's Mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. It's simple and logical. And as you said, a hundred, you know, $50 million. I mean, when you, when you're, you know, have $50 million, you're earning $50 million and you're going to be taxed a half a percent or whatever, you know, whatever you start at. On on, on the, on, on the 50 million and $1 only. 
Yeah, exactly. Right. right? So <laughs> on, anything on the above million. the 50 million. <laughs> so you got all you have 50 million to work with, and then you got it above the 50 million. But what is astonishing to me is how working class people and everybody that isn't making 50 million dollars, let's say, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, have been, you know, just um the, the have have been told that this will absolutely be the end of you know everything 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 that you know democracy will fall apart if that happens and you know and somehow that's filtered down to people where they yeah. are believing that and i i guess my question is cuz it makes no if you just say it logically like you mm-hmm. just did and you mm-hmm. and you really look at that and you mm-hmm. look at how many people make over 50 million and then they're going to get taxed on the the one cent after 50 million. So I'm taking away your 50 million. <laughs> you get the one cent after 50 million, anything above that, you know. I want to make another point here. I hate, I'm not, I don't want to cut you off, but I want to okay. say one more thing. Sure. Here. Yeah. This, this is super important. Yeah. Do you know how many people Elizabeth Warren's wealth tax plan would capture in America? Do you know how many people are other in America who have estates greater than $50 million? 75,000. 75,000. Okay. 75,000. That's one, a lot. One 45th of 1%. Wow. 1 45th of 1% of America would pay that tax. And I'm going to say, I'm not sure what the, why the reason is they're not paying it, but I'm pretty sure it's got something to do with the filibuster. I know I don't want to get into politics. I know that's a very complicated field, but we are at a stage in the development of American constitutional democracy where that the thumb on the scales of power of the selfish wealthy can be ended now once and for all. Mm -hmm. And those one forty fifth of one percent of Americans who are so astonishingly privileged. It's a privilege for them to help the world. They're going to have all the joy that I ever had given away my money. And they're still going to have all of their money mm-hmm. as compared to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. And those guys, and, and they're going to get richer because mm-hmm. all of those people now, the 80% who are, you know, with, within, you know, a, a chipping distance of the poverty line um, are, are, are going to become much more productive, much more capable. They're coming going to you're going to come and eat in more restaurants and they're going to go and uh, enjoy other holidays and see more movies and buy more books and you know nice clothes and look after their kids and take their kids to you know to learn other things and they'll go on trips in nature and the world is going to be a much more wealthy place in all the ways Mm -hmm. and all we have to do is get these rich guys to understand that it doesn't cost money to develop your human resources it makes money to develop your human resources in all ways and of those seventy-five thousand, some of them are still going to be resistant and we have to summon the courage to stand toe-to-toe with them and say i'm sorry dude I understand you disagree too bad. Mm. You can pay the taxes or you can leave. And if you want to leave, don't worry. We're going to tax you very, very heavily on the way out the door. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go ahead. If you want to go live in Dubai, be my guest. 
But <laughs> I want to add one more thing here that I think sure. is super powerful. And that is yeah. a guy like Vladimir Putin or, or other, these other, you know, rich guys who don't want to pay their taxes. I think all we have to do is if we pass these laws and then a guy evades those taxes by leaving the country, we just have to say to banks of the world, this is how powerful America is. We just have to say to the banks of the world, if you deal with those guys, you cannot use our banking system. Mm. And Europe will join us in that. Mm-hmm. And when Europe joins us in that and India and, you know, all the other wealthy countries in the world don't. Yeah, that's I know that sounds funny. There's as much wealth in India as there is almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's just that this is mm-hmm. not distributed very well. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Talk right. about the disparity. Mm-hmm. There will be no place for those guys to go. And I guarantee you what will happen is of those 75,000, about two thirds of them will happily pay the taxes if we force them to and stay. And the remainder of them, we're going to have to take to tax court. But, mm-hmm. you know, all, 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 all the more <laughs> reason to, fall, to to make the laws soon so we can finish up with those guys soon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hope this doesn't sound too aggressive, Sharon, but, you know, this, this is where, this is where my idea of shared consciousness takes us. Mm-hmm. We must also, we must share not only, you know, our enthusiasm we must also share our freedom and our wealth and our idea our proof our, our we, we can be the proof that living well makes life a thousandfold better for everyone. Well, this has been so amazing. I, I definitely want to have you come back and we can uh, talk more as things are unfolding. Just scratch um, the surface, Sharon. We just scratched it. Yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> have to come back. Um, now, I know you do have a wonderful book and you are providing actually the PDF of that book. Um, and we're going to put that on the episode page, everybody. So, um, Don, just talk a little bit about that book and what, you know, what people can really experience in in that book and why they really want to get that the book is called all's well where thou art earth and why Mm. and it's pretty audacious it's a um it's a book about um where we are are at in in time and in space um it starts out with a really crazy trip through the universe describing that you know all of the knowledge that we have now that has made us so astonishingly wealthy is at the most 200 years old how much Mm -hmm. have we learned in the last hundred years Well, and then how much will we learn in the next hundred years? And it's going to be so much more vast knowledge than we have already, you know, uh, and how much will we learn in the next thousand years? So much, so much more amazing and astonishing knowledge than we have now. So we have to be a little bit humble and we have to move forward and learn all of those things as fast as we can so that we can get as good as we can get. What will our principles be moving forward through there? Well, the book is about those principles. It's the universal rights that I spoke about a little bit earlier. And the two two big problems uh, that uh, are kind of impediments to, you know, one of them is corporations. Um, we'll, we'll talk into that later. Another one is um, sovereignty. You know, how can we cross the border? How come Lone Ranger doesn't ride through the river and chase down the hombres on the other side of the, well, you know, we have to revisit that. You know, I think some things trump sovereignty. So the book's about that. And the book, as you can already hear, is a little bit gonzo, but it ends with a 
I think a, a really wonderful uh, excursion at l- looking what uh, what a miracle our consciousness is and what it is that we are, what we share, uh, the the and and the the wonderful um, almost infinite dividends that come from sitting still for a moment and just letting that creativity bubble within us. You know, the greatest things that the greatest things that have occurred to me have not occurred to me when I was sharpening my pencil and trying to sort things out. They occurred to me when I was chopping wood. Mm-hmm, and absolutely. so that's what the book is about. Enjoy the miracle, appreciate the miracle that has befallen us and share it by helping other people awaken to it too. Mm-hmm. All's well where thou art earth and why. There that is so beautiful. Thank you so much, John. Um, I just definitely want to have you come back and we can dig into this more. And I appreciate you taking the extra time. I know we went longer, but I just really felt like we really just started to scratch the surface of all of this. And I really want people to understand. And as you said, get excited that, you know, we really can create, you know, a, a world, a planet where everyone is taken care of, where people are living in more joy and where we have this human capital that is really multiplied and there really is an opportunity to do that now and Mm -hmm. you know i just i I want people to get excited because this is an exciting time and that we can together come together and and expect that that's the vision that we hold how we get there you know may have some turns and twists but that we want to see that vision and expect that that let me share let yeah. me let me share just one more quick image here. Sure. Mm-hmm. When we have kids, um, we have a responsibility to look after them. And we often don't know exactly how we're going to do that. Right? right? We don't know how we're going to go look after the rest mm. the rest of the people in the world yet. But mm-hmm. that does not relieve us of our responsibility. You know, oh. if we could say that, well, I, you know, I know I've got a responsibility to look after my kids, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. So I don't have a responsibility anymore. Mm. No. Good point. That, that really doesn't point. fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I thank you so much and uh, just really grateful for you being here. And uh, everybody, you can go to that episode page to get John's wonderful book that he's so generous in giving you. It's a digital download that we're hosting so that you can get that um, directly and just really want to uh, be so grateful for your service, for your light, for your amazing journey, and for just raising the consciousness and really helping us to see how this really can be easier than we think. We just have to move past some, you know, some mindset that is, uh, you know, absolutely not even true. And we just have to move past some mindset and some resistance to be able to really embrace that, um, that, that sense of responsibility for everyone. So John, I appreciate you. You are certainly one of those ones who is paying the full price of their freedom. when you do the work you do and bless your heart for getting out and encouraging people to look at their lives the way you do, because um, that's the way forward and all the rest of everybody else is going to die. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. And I know we've created amazing energy here today. So we just want to send that out and lift everyone up to activate everyone, everyone's consciousness as we are moving into higher consciousness and that, you know, it's a birth. So it's a messy like births are but that we are really moving in um in very fast measure to really create that vision of that new earth and that new world 
So, John, thank you so much. And I want to thank everyone for listening. And we will see you next time. And we see you living lives of love and joy and peace and prosperity and health in all ways. Always. See you back to you next time. Same. Thank you, John. See you, babe. Thank you. Do you hate selling yet love to be of service? In my free masterclass, you will discover three soulful secrets to client conversations that feel joyful, easy, and fun. Using these secrets, one of my clients made $8,000 in one week, and another client made $100,000 in less than six months. Register now at www.coachingfromspirit.com masterclass.